This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I did the war report this morning. I'm fucking excited. I'm hyped. The show did not turn me down. It's AB. I'm in the building. I'm also joined by Mike. What's up, Mike? Are you hyped? You know, I am hyped. I am Pro wrestling it has never been more back as Sting with slightly insane icon face paint being one of the best like wrestlers over the age of 50 ever tonight. Like, and, and, and that was like a match we weren't expecting a lot out of. Like, pro wrestling is so back right now. And, you know, we had the war report in the morning. I don't know what we should call this, but feels like everyone was at battle stations tonight. That's right. We're also joined by our our fellow soldier, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? I'm not a soldier, actually. I'm a pacifist, um, but I am here. I'm at my battle station, uh, but I'm just like the the helmsman or the commsman. I'm your, you know, your Sulu or your Chekhov. You guys got the whole photons and and phasers uh, unlocked. Nate, I appreciate your pacifism, but in the AEW versus WWE war, there can be no no bystanders. To be neutral in the face of WWE is to side with WWE. Yeah, I won't dispute that. I mean, uh, you know, I've long said, I think I said on the first episode of this show, you know, I don't, my rooting interest in wrestling is not for any wrestler. It's not for any promotion. It's not for any promoter. Not for any cable channel. It's not for any ownership group. Uh, it's just for the death of WWE and the the physical death of Vince McMahon. So, uh, yes, in that regard, I do have a alliance of convenience with AEW, uh, and you know, big W for them in that battle. Absolutely, a huge W tonight. I'm just going to get the plugs well, hey, out. Would, of- would you call it a nuclear W? I would call it a nuclear W for the good guys. <laughs> uh, we like to post the W banner over at at everything AEW. Please follow us over there. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. You just search everything elite on the podcast app of your choice and hit subscribe. It's good for us and it gets you all the episodes very quickly. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We're breaking records over there. Another big month at the Patreon. Uh, so join all the cool kids at the Everything Elite Patreon. Uh, we're going to kick off the show with Elite or Delete. If you're a new listener because, you know, you're just bowled over by all the momentum that AEW has, you're joining us for the first time. We like to use this segment to say the best parts and the worst parts of Dynamite. We like to start with the best parts because this is a positive. This is a 
no, I what was I trying to say there? This is not always a positive podcast, but it's positive when it's good, like it was tonight. Nate kicks us off always. So partisan. Tell us, this is a. Were you going to say partisan? Oh, that that'd be good. I mean, it is. I mean, I think that's fair. We just said at the top of the show we're rooting for WWE yes. to die, but. Right. We, I mean, we go very hard on AEW when we don't like things. Right. Yes, that, that's that's true. If you're new to the show, yeah, we are <laughs> broadly rooting for a <laughs> diversification of the Major League Pro Wrestling market in uh, the United States. Um, but yeah, we do are, are often critical enough of AEW that we're called, you know, haters or whatever else. So that's oh, what yeah. you're in for. Yes, that is. So. Uh, we're going to start it out with some positive vibes. I'd say there'll be a lot of positive vibes on this show. So Nate, hit us up with what was your favorite part of the show, your elite pick. Well, fellas, I'm going to make it easy for us. Um, I don't know if you know, there was a pretty big match that was advertised for this show. Um, it had, you know, two generational talents, two of the best pro wrestlers of the last what do you say you don't instead of a quarter century what if you say 20 years instead of 25 years generation how do you do that no like you know a a a, a percentile not a quarter not a third but a fifth a fifth a it's fifth? a fifth a fifth, uh, century? A fifth of the century a quintile that doesn't, that doesn't a quintile mm. i like quintile better don't know if it's you know uh uh in the common parlance no but i'll take it no for the last quintile century uh, two of I don't the best think wrestlers. that works now that you said that out loud. No, I, now now I'm doubling down on it. Quintile Century. Um, and hey, these guys went out there. First match on the show. In the biggest building that AEW has run in front of the biggest crowd that AEW has run in front of. Uh, and they delivered like a great stadium big show match. These guys went out and worked it like they were working a WrestleMania main event or a Tokyo Dome main event. Uh, and the crowd totally carried the match through the first, you know, couple movements where they're uh, laying the groundwork and doing your sort of typical uh, technical wrestling stuff and, uh, you know, sizing each other up and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, crowd totally carried it with the atmosphere through all of that. So, you know, you were riveted uh, throughout all those moments that can be slow when you're in front of like a clap crowd or whatever. And then you got into the meat of the match and, um, you know, a couple pretty good pro wrestlers here that did some pretty cool moves. Even even the stuff where, you know, you like go up on the ramp and you do a couple of spots there. That felt like going up on the ramp of a, of a Wrestle Kingdom main event or something. Uh, you would see that exact kind of thing. Um, and it just peaked super high. They got into the uh, finishing sequence and crowd was absolutely losing their mind. Um I I could use a delete on this, but I won't. One of the worst uh, one minute remaining calls in pro wrestling history by Justin Roberts. He's never good at the time calls, but this is especially bad. Um, I, I think that might be a problem of like their their audio setup in general that you almost always get Justin Roberts saying that and being drowned out by the commentary. Uh, but nonetheless, I do think the crowd kind of when that came around smartened up and went, mm, yeah, I think it's going to a draw, uh, and you did get a big boo, but can't really you know I, I didn't know if they were going to do a draw i thought maybe they'd be you know too scared to do it because they haven't done a lot of draws lately uh but I, I can't argue with that as a uh logical and uh effective sort of storytelling device to 
push this feud on and, and make it about the title next time, whatever they're going to do. Uh, so I'll give them credit for, you know, having the balls to do it, I suppose. Uh, but just a great fucking pro wrestling match. Yeah, no, this is the result of, I feel like, everyone who's ever done any sort of fan booking game, wrestling management game, where you you ultimately want to try to get to wrestlers like Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson in your promotion to have like a big match, and you don't want to give away the big match early, so you have them go out there and just work an incredible 30-minute time limit draw and leave uh work it in such a way that i didn't necessarily got the big wrestlemania wrestle kingdom vibe from this like i felt like that this was if anything like the start of a feud rather than how i kind of view those wrestlemania and uh, wrestle kingdom matches as a conclusion or like a big moment there like this this felt like the opening act with these two and i really enjoyed it for that i thought that i uh, it just immediately it did have that aura of it feeling super special and with the way that they set up of course uh, arthur ash stadium they brought back the led ramp from revolution in 2020 which was really kind of cool and it's just something like going out there on national tv and just having a technical brawly just a whole lot of everything kind of match i mean brian Danielson did a poison rana in this match and it just like it's something you're like okay now we are really kind of just doing what we're feeling like doing and it comes off just excellently and then you know the angle post match i felt like that it was exactly like the next step in this overall kind of feud or storyline and i think it was just an unmitigated success even from like the uh, playing with the expectation of oh you can go to a time limit draw this is the main event because it'll be tv time remaining no we're leading off with this and we're giving a full quarter of our show to this one match just i i thought they were going to do this and it came off even better than i expected i think the big takeaway for me was just like oh danielson is going to be exactly what we hoped he would be he can do all the stuff we want him to do. He's, I didn't have really a concern that he was washed, but the guy is old and he's been doing WWE style for so long. You just don't know if a guy can come out of the gates and do something else. I mean, he just gave an interview today where he was like, oh, I saw Cody do a move in a match with Pentagon. And I thought, I can't do that. And then he realized, you know, he probably could do that. But you, you wonder if you would see that working itself out in the ring of like, oh, wait, you know, can I, I'm not able yet to do these things that I want to do. And I'm sure we're going to see more from him, but he worked like a classic style match. He took crazy bumps. I hope got all that out of the way of people saying like, oh no, he's bumping on his neck and head uh, because he's going to do it in every match. So just, if you don't like it, you're just going to have to not watch his matches because that's what's going to happen. So no big deal there, but it was great. The crowd was insane. Danielson was clearly like, I mean, not overwhelmed with emotion, but very emotional at the beginning, just seeing everyone excited for him. And uh, that was nice. I don't know that you couldn't really improve this. I mean, it was exactly what you wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, I do think, you know, when I say that they worked it like a WrestleMania Wrestle Kingdom match, I guess I just kind of mean the pace and uh, you know, letting doing a bunch of big spots, but letting those big spots breathe, you know, letting the reaction to the crowd 
uh, I'll do an example is like when Danielson goes to do the spot in the corner where he does the chop and then he does the kick. He really lets those breathe, right? Like he does a chop and he waits until the last woo dies down and then he does a kick. So that's, that's kind of how I meant it. But yeah, it, was, it, it so we kind of worked that kind of style match, but totally escalated the level of the, you know, crazy spots that he's going to do. Uh, and in that way, it was, you know, he's kind of meeting like a, a Kenny Omega Wrestle Kingdom match, an, an Okada match, doing fucking, uh, you know, he didn't land on his head, but doing like a, a tiger suplex off the top turnbuckle. Uh, I doubt they would have let him do that in WWE. So uh, really split that difference very nicely, I think. Um, the other aspect of it that I especially liked in terms of giving us what we want, Danielson like <laughs> comes out and is just like, no, I'm going to do that. I have till five spot. I'm going to do it as big as possible. I'm going to do the cattle mutilation spot. People are going to lose their minds. Um, so that's kind of the funny meta thing of like, Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm telling you guys, this is not Daniel Bryan. This is American Dragon Bryan Danielson, uh, and I think he did just enough of that where it wasn't you know corny, wasn't over the top or whatever, uh, but it was just enough to be like, no, now I'm doing what I want to do, and now I'm here to give people what they want to see. It's also interesting in the story. Uh, I know Mike and I got to talk about that this morning on Light our Dynamite preview show that we do on the Patreon. But I'm interested in your thoughts, Nate, of, you know, where's this going next? What's the full gear match? Obviously, there's a rematch coming because, you know, they did a draw. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, honestly, I thought uh, I thought Joe Lanza made a good point of, like, it seemed like Omega was getting the best of Danielson in the match. And Joe pointed out he thought that was the story, you know, that that Danielson wasn't quite good enough for the AEW world champion. But the way that it, you know, when it ends in a draw and the story that they tell on commentary is that if the match had gone a little bit longer, uh, Danielson would have won the match. So I was, I don't, I'm not going to say I was confused, but it felt like they were more trying to tell us, despite some of the in-ring story, that these guys are on a more even footing than you might have expected. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't think that was an incorrect interpretation by uh, Joe, but, and this might also be uh, an element of me having the fight TV feed and seeing through the ad break. Uh, but what I really read like to me is the story that they were telling is exactly what you talked about with the head drops and head bumps and neck bumps and all this stuff, which is, Oh, he hasn't been taking bumps like this or whatever. He's been, you know, protected in WWE and can't, you know, work at full throttle or whatever it is. Uh, and now Kenny Omega has dropped him on his head with this dragon suplex. And now Kenny Omega has done this uh, running V trigger down the ramp. that looked absolutely awesome. Uh, and then they did this tease through the whole commercial break, which is really a brilliant way to lay out the match. I think where Danielson basically was doing a count out tease and then went to stand up and get back in the ring and just collapse. And it's like, Oh shit, the, this guy's having a you know concussion seizure. Like he tends to do. Um, and then, you know, by the time they got back out of the ad break, it's like, oh, Kenny's bringing him back in the ring now or whatever. Or Danielson makes the next count after Kenny uh, interrupted the count. But that's that's what I think the story of that first part of the match really was, was, oh, Danielson has to find his footing here because he's not used to getting his head rocked like this. And uh, by the way, he's had a, a history of bad brain. Um, and then, yeah, as it got into the end of the match, they definitely accented that point and, Excalibur said it explicitly so that we wouldn't miss it at all that, oh, if the match had gone another minute, Brian Danielson probably would have won. So, yeah, I think that's a great 
a great way to continue to play a sort of 50 50 between these guys um as for where it's going next i don't know i kind of thought i i convinced myself that they were going to do what i wanted them to do which is just have kenny omega beat him uh and then the story that i would have done is oh it, you know not not the exact same story but similar idea to what we saw Britt baker do where it's oh i'm gonna start and i'm gonna get my record up and I'm going to go through and I'm going to win and I'm going to beat all these people and just start racking those wins. And then we get fucking all these great Brian Danielson matches where he has to go through every other guy on the roster. Right. Uh, and we can see what all those matches look like. He would probably wrestle on dark just for the hell of it. Uh, and then he would finally get his record back all the way up to being number one. Uh, and then he can come back at Kenny for the belt. Uh, but now they're not doing that. So I think, I don't know. We don't know when those four TNT specials are yet, but if they're not going to do it on full gear, that would be another great place to do it. And they can advertise it like, Hey, you know, there was a draw at 30 minutes last time, no time limit this time. You know, it's going to be the second hour of the show with, with no uh, uh, limits on the time or whatever it is. Um, I guess that's kind of, kind of what you have to do is whatever the next match is going to be between these guys has to either be no time limit or um, 60 minute time limit, right? Yeah. Well, the are, the world title matches are 60 minute time limit, right? Yeah, yeah, they're hours. Uh, I think they can still do some of that, Nate, where he has to build his way up because they've make they've made such a big deal in the build up here about the AEW rankings and the win loss record. And since this was a non title match, now his record is zero zero and one. I mean, they still have close to two months seven weeks that like knowing danielson and what we could expect out of it he might have he might be just speed running through that but i could see them just trying to build up the record so then he's able to be in the rankings it's been such a big talking point in the lead up to the match but i could also imagine omega saying like fuck you know i'm gonna prove that i'm better than you and so just like letting him have a title match Regardless. Well, he, he, he tweeted no rematch. Okay, okay. So I uh, get that doesn't seem to be the way they're going, but yeah, you're right. But they could for sure do that, Mike, um, and be like, no, I'm not giving you a rematch until you know you're number one in the rankings or whatever. Uh, and then yeah, then it's like, oh well, you know, they went to a draw last time, so this time who knows who will win? Uh, I guess that's you know they're just protecting Danielson even more than than I I would have done, which is you know maybe you do a little hijinks with Don Callis otherwise, but otherwise just have Kenny Omega beat him. Um, and then be like, Hey, that was my first match. My bell got rung. I'm going to come back in two months or whatever it is. And then we'll do it again. But Hey, uh, if they can do that, that fucking match again, or anything approaching that match again, or better than that match, you know, put a clean finish on the end of it. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch that match. Wow. Really? Nate. I mean, you know, you know, me and me and matches were that's, uh, that's true. It's kind of a love hate thing, you know. Mm, is it? Yeah, sometimes it's kind of a uh, hate thing. I mean, I love that cage match from the pay per view. That was that's a love love match. That's true. You did. So there you go. All right, Mike. What was your favorite thing from the show tonight? I think that. I mean, obviously, all of our favorite thing was the. The opening match. Right, but yeah. I mean, you have to pick something else. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, if you have a four and three quarter stars match opening up a show, you're just that that's going to win. Uh, but right after that, CM Punk's promo, I have to say, like, what a just incredible 40 minutes they had of television the first third of the show, having that match and then 
CM Punk's promo and just the way that like seeing someone like that cook for lack of better terms uh and starting off doing like the saturday night live host kind of bit of just like when he was in cincinnati going like minoru suzuki king of prayer grace like he was doing some of that in the bill up there and then pivot- musical guest yeah. mikey ruckus <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so so he was doing that like he's the fill-in host and then they pivoted towards a uh, he pivoted to be like you all don't you all want the old mad CM Punk. You'll see him eventually, but I'm too happy right now. I'm loving this. But let me tell you about something that has pissed me off, Team Taz. And then just the way that he wove that promo kept the crowd engaged, like it, it, like in a hard spot that like really you, you have that match and what you're going to do next. You're going to put CM Punk in the middle of the ring and tell him to cut a 10-minute promo. And then the final line the final lines of the of him going on and saying, "You slept on the legend of CM Punk, and it's not my job to wake you up. It's my job to tuck you in." Just tremendous promo, and you know, it's kind of it. I I think now Punk versus Hobbs is my most anticipated thing on Friday with that promo. Pretty stacked card for Friday. Um, so I don't know about that. I am very excited about being powerhouse Hobbs in that match. Uh, I thought the the promo is certainly a wise choice in terms of how do you follow up that main event, uh, especially that main event with a uh, draw finish. So you've kind of got a a crowd that's both burnt out on a great match and like a little bit dissatisfied, right? Uh, pretty much the only thing you can do is is put CM Punk out there. So that worked well. Um, I thought the promo was pretty good. Uh, it didn't it didn't blow me away, but it did. I think it was pretty much, you know, note perfect for the for the moment and then built the match in a in a satisfactory way and 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 kind of set up the crowd down and went, hey, there's fucking ninety minutes of this show left. Uh so let's keep it rolling. Uh that's about I think where I landed with it. Man, I really thought it was excellent. I, I yes, CM Punk is the guy you gotta put out there next, but that doesn't mean it's easy to just cut a promo that's going to catch the moment here and fit the emotion that needs to be there. And Punk is able to play that thing of, I'm happy to be here, and also weave in this, like, not really blood feud with Team Taz, but, you know, add a little something to it. And this thing, you know, I, I whoever came up with it, I'm, I assume it was Punk, but this idea of, I'm so happy to be here, and they want to take that away from me, it's just like, that's an excellent story to tell. And it, this... I was already in on it because I, but I was in on the story from the perspective of, oh, it's going to be fun to see Punk against Hobbs and against, I don't know about Starks, but you know, whoever he can work and hook in Team Taz. But now I'm like, oh no, I'm actually invested in this story based on this promo. I just thought it was perfect. Yeah, that did, that did crystallize it very nicely. Um, And he is generally one of the better people in wrestling at doing that, I think. Uh, so you're right. I, I agree with that. All right. I guess that makes it uh, my turn to choose my favorite thing from the show. And we've already picked the two best things, but I thought it really stood out how big of a star Darby was on this show, especially after seeing, uh, you know, MJF and Brian Pillman match didn't get great reactions, kind of understandably so. And then you had, really weird reactions to uh, Cody 
or you know not totally expected reactions to Cody. And so it's you're kind of off kilter a little bit. And then Darby and Sting come out. And yes, Sting, of course, got a big reaction. But Darby got a huge reaction when it was like time for him to shine. And just time, not just for him to shine, but for the spotlight to be on him in this match, the crowd went insane. It's like, oh, this guy, even with, I'm going to talk about Cody later, I'm sure. But even with all these new people coming in, Darby is still one of the top stars in this company. And that was made obvious in this match. Well, I think uh, what especially illustrated that is the match opened with Darby in the ring and people started chanting for Darby and they did a little spot where, you know, FTR almost trapped Darby in the corner and he escaped and he goes back to the other corner and the crowd's like chanting for Darby. Uh, and then Darby's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm supposed to tag Sting now. <laughs> so <laughs> he goes, he tags Sting and JR is like, Excalibur, you say you've got to give the people what they want. Uh, and it's like, well, JR, they... They wanted. Dar- they were chanting for Darby. <laughs> like uh, obviously, they're happy with Sting. Everybody's happy with Sting. Sting had a great match. Um, but yeah, they were they were in uh, from that opening bell for Darby, which is, you know, pretty much. I mean, if you if you wanted to lay out a partnership like this, you know, a, a veteran legend and then the young guy that he's kind of giving the endorsement to uh, and giving it some rub to. Uh, but you also don't want to have him overshadowed. You also want to make him a star in his own right. That's like pretty much the exact reaction you want is like, yeah, we're, we're fucking pumped for Sting, but uh, we're also extremely pumped for Darby. So that was great. The match was great. I think may, maybe FTR's best match in this company. I don't know. Do we have any thoughts on that? Uh, I thought it pretty much delivered. FTR kind of, this is the best role for them, being guys who can facilitate you know, a 60-year-old man like Sting and still make him, uh, you know, look phenomenal, uh, but can bump all over the place and do the, do the, uh, you know, tag sell on his heels and and uh, so on and so forth. It was very exciting uh, and a great finish. Um, you dar- like like you said, Darby super over, but really the match was built around the big uh, uh, Sting comeback and finish, uh, and he delivered in spades there. So. Uh, you know, if, if if I was not on deck to do the first thing here, this probably would have been my elite was this match. Yeah, and this was probably the thing that over-delivered the most, like, like coming in and exceeded expectations. Like, just under... It, it's something where the early moments in the match really was kind of the stuff that I can't necessarily stand about FTR, but as soon as, like, I was like, oh, the the key to this match is just doing crazy stuff and being crazy over and the FTR is like, Oh, we're just going to go and play this role, which actually secretly is our best role. So yeah, I, I totally understand your rationale and they thinking like this is their best match because it played into their strengths the most. And it's something that when previewing this Aaron, like our big issue is like, how are they going to facilitate like the big crowd reactions that are actually the basis of these matches, not selling it's what's gained the crowd reacting. And how do you do that? Darby Allen is a superstar. Sing is an icon. The crowd perceives them as that, and they timed it out incredibly well. And we started to get see. We start finally started to get see some red face paint. Maybe we can get to the insane icon version of Sting coming up real soon against. Uh, if that's how we are going to have this Tolly match with the insane icon Sting, that's the only way that I could sit through that. I think. I'm hopeful we just don't. 
there was like one Tully spot in here. It was just like Tully, like Sting taking out Tully. Yeah. I'm like if that's it, that's great. I'm I'm thrilled. If that's like, you know, Sting has one bar for Tully. Uh, I want also want to shout out Sting. Uh, the spot where he is out on his feet and falls and does a headbutt to Dax's crotch, uh, just like an old school comedy spot that killed me. Him busting that out at sixty two years old. I thought the way that they. You know what we talked about this morning, Mike. The way that they made it interesting. You know, FTR likes to work, likes to work the the slow, drawn out Southern match. And I think we've talked on this show, uh, Nate, especially that you know the the sprint is really more of what what they're better at. And they kind of did both here, where they did they had the 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 bits of a Southern style tag match. With the hot tags, you know, Mike, we talked about who's going to get the hot tag. Well, they just did both. They gave Darby a hot tag <laughs> and they gave Sting a hot tag. But they kept those segments short instead of like, it wasn't that the crowd really wanted to see the other guy tagged in because the his partner had been down selling so long. It was just the crowd wanted to see the other guy because they liked the other guy. And they uh, went to it, kept it going quickly. And it was it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. And the right team won. And the right team won. I don't think the Tully thing's coming because, like, this non... Well, I guess, I mean, they are a tag team, but FTR is, you know, talked about as, like, one of the great tag teams. And they just fucking lost, like, pretty clean. Yeah. So, to me, the story's over, but we'll see what happens next. Uh, Listener Elite, if you want to be featured, you just have to be a subscriber. You got to be on our Patreon and then go in the Discord and tell us your Elite and Delete picks from the show. Our Elite pick comes from Swarles, who says... All this fucking wrestling. They did like two promos all show. I I was, you know, looking back at my notes at the end of the show, they were very short because it's just like match, finish, match, finish. Uh, all action on this show. I cannot endorse that elite. Well, I, I need you to, Nate. It's very well, important. I don't. I, uh, too much wrestling. No, I don't know. You know, probably their biggest, I don't know, maybe not. One of their biggest television audiences of all time. Uh, and there was not a big, not even, you don't need a, a big hook angle even. No, there was not a angle to drive you forward as far as something new developing. There was like, hey, this is the match that's already booked on Friday. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it and so on. Um, I guess that was the punk. Really, the punk promo was the big thing that was like, hey, here's the next thing that you should stay tuned to this company for. So it was good, I guess. But. I don't know. I kind of talked myself into on this show just because, uh, you know, got the big, got the big room, got the big television audience. Maybe this would have been where you turn Wardlow on MJF, and maybe that's your big angle to say, "Hey, here's a big exciting thing happening that people went apeshit for." You know, stay tuned. We're gonna follow up on that in a week or two. Um, but yeah, I would have, I would have liked uh, a little bit more, a little bit more angle action, a little bit more. Uh, you know, character stuff. This is probably the fewest angles we've ever had on an AEW show, right? <laughs> That's like our complaint. <laughs> uh, my often my complaint is, oh, they did an attack angle after every single segment. Every match ended with an attack. Every promo ends with an attack. And this had like just the the main event, or not the main event, just the uh, opener. And also the main event also, I don't think it did. Just the opener. No. I don't know. I think they were more just saying, hey, if you're tuning in, our show's no bullshit, all action. Come back next week. I think that works. 
Now, the show is quite a bit more bullshit and quite a yeah, bit less it's, action. It's, yeah, but that's not true. They don't have to tell them that. I mean, you're <laughs> selling, Nate. <laughs> false bill of goods. <laughs> well, uh, if, you wanna, if you don't want to have false balls of goods, you got to hang out with our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Nate is terrified by this. Uh, it's back-to-school time, as everyone knows, and we want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The essentials are the Manscaped fourth-generation performance package. Uh, as everybody knows, we have the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0 for if you're going for the valedictorian of ball trimming and joining the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Uh, and so you have to go to manscaped.com, use the code This Is, and here's the package. It's the Lawnmower 4.0. It's the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. It's the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, two free gifts, the Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Uh, on the, the Crop Preserver, went out to a... Uh, what's the right word for this? Like, uh, I don't know. They got, like, booths and stuff. You can, like, there's clothes, there's food, you know, like, whatever. I don't know. It's that kind of thing, but it's outside. But this weekend, it was, like, suddenly, like, 95 degrees again when it hadn't been for some time. Did not put on the crop preserver before I went out. Huge mistake. Uh, really regretted that for about three days until I calmed down the uh, the, the consequences of my actions. Uh, my skin does not like all the all the hot and the sweat. It just doesn't. The crop preserver solves all that. Uh, but luckily, and it's especially true if you screw around and attend Smooth Balls University, because if you got the smooth balls. They're rubbing up against your legs in the heat. It's bad. You got to have the crop preserver. Uh, but those are all the things you get. Order the bag. Order the performance package. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls from Manscaped. I'm not sure Nate ever recovered from uh, from the opening to that ad read. I was aghast. <laughs> I didn't recover from you not knowing what a farmer's market was. It's not, it wasn't really a farmer's market. There wasn't like fruit. Farmer's market. It was, like a, it, was like were, a, it was like a summer festival. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a lot of like vintage, you know, clothing booths. And then there was like, you know, food trucks. Yeah. That farmer's market might be pretty correct for that. Yeah. Th th there was nothing grown by farmers. It was, you know, food trucks. When's the Swap meats. I mean, it was, it's basically a flea market, but it's like a hipster version of a flea market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that, well, I think, so I think you're both right. I think a hipster version of a flea market is a farmer's market, irrelevant of whether farmers are actually present. Because I think flea market has, you know, kind of a, a, a low class connotation. So the hipsters are like, well, we got to rebrand this. I mean, it was literally called, the, okay, so Fleur de Lis is oh, like... So a Louisville thing. A, how's he got the literal name? I think it's a New Orleans thing. Go on. It is, but it's also a Louisville thing. And this was called the Fleur de Flea. Okay, so flea market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Flea market. All right. Well, speaking of bad things, let's talk about the things we didn't like from the show. Uh, Nate, what was your delete pick from this week? This kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with my my previous uh takedown utter takedown of swirls elite take that swirls uh just kidding there was i guess 
outside of the opening match and outside of just the massive crowd reactions in general, there was not that sort of special thing that they do a lot of the time uh, to make this show feel like special or distinct or, you know, somehow memorable outside of those kind of uh, things that were intrinsic to the setting. They did, they did the big worms ramp with the, with the LEDs of the plexiglass on the ramp. You know, that was a nice touch. Um, but I don't know. I really wanted something calling attention to the, the specific venue, some kind of tennis tie-in, you, you know, John McEnroe or Andre Agassi rigging the opening bell for the match. Uh, I thought MJF might come out in his Wimbledon whites, uh, but that was nowhere to be found. Um, I just wanted some kind of, you know, special theming or, or you know, some kind of a spectacle that would give it a little bit more flavor, more than just, hey, we're running a really big building. And on that point, the production of the building was not especially special, I didn't think. They really just, they cast the entire building in blue light outside of, you know, the first uh, uh, section of seats. So, and also, as I complained, I think last week or two weeks ago, whatever, every fucking camera shot in this promotion is so super tight on everybody's face or so super tight on the spot um, that it's not like you can see the building anyway. So it kind of just seemed like a normal show in that regard. Like the crowd was loud, but then it's like, hey, here's somebody's super close face. And then we're going to pull back and we're going to see the ring for a minute. And it's just going to look like a SmackDown show because everything's blue. So that was uh, kind of a disappointment to me. I wanted... I wanted some kind of spectacle, some kind of angle, some kind of special guest event kind of thing that would make it feel like, oh, they are in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, and I'm going to remember this this little facet of it forever. I did not have that thought about the show cross my mind, Abe. But now, now that you mention it, like, whereas the first dance was so very Chicago themed and like played off of being at the United center and then like being able like CM Punk for like that, like that all felt like an event there. This really was right. We have Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. They're going to go out and have the dream match. And then we're just going to have this big show in our biggest arena here. This is our biggest attendance there. And like, even like it's something that I noticed even with like all out that like, they don't really do like, special entrance ways like remember like when they would have like the poker chips and then like the palm trees and that's the way they would like pretty things up here it was worms ramp and they had more led lights behind everyone which was which looked kind of cool look kind of like those 90s tokyo domes shows like when they would come in from think of one i actually kind of remind me of like dream slam in a way but it, yeah you would think there would be a little bit more of a tie-in like apparently there was a a kind of like celebrity tie-in that happened between the dynamite and rampage. So they did do something like that, but not for the television audience. And I, I, I totally understand like, cause you would feel like this would be like a big WrestleMania, uh, wrestle kingdom, just large show moment. And other than the venue and other than like the dream match, this was not, this was a big episode of television. Cause, cause Aaron, we talked about this on light, like comparing this to like, winter is coming in a way like this felt like the biggest dynamite since winter was coming. And, you know, now that we're looking back at it with, in hindsight, other than like the dream match, this, the, what difference between this quote and the crossroads episode of dynamite with Shaq, like that had like a more notable thing. Like 
I guess in the vein of what you're talking about, Nate, that like stuck out with Shaq being there than it happened tonight. Uh, guys, I feel like I'm insane. They did a television show where the first 20 minutes was Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. It was Brian Danielson's first match outside of WWE yeah. in a very long time. But what the was, fuck else do you need? That, yeah, they did a big match and they did a draw. Uh, and then it was just like a normal episode. of. Again, they did really big matches on the show. They but did also, a ton of big matches on the show. Yeah, but I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the size of the matches. I'm talking about some palm. the flavor around it that makes it feel like a special circumstance. I think that oh, is I, what made it feel like a special circumstance. The crowd was insane because of that. Yeah. Uh, like also, they put all the New York guys on the Friday show. They didn't put one. They didn't put Eddie on this show. They didn't put the Santana and Ortiz tag on this show. They're all on the Friday show. So we didn't even get like that hometown moment for anybody. Uh, you know, if you had swapped like the the Sting and FTR tag with like the maybe the Santana and Lucha Brothers tag, maybe that would have given it, you know, give them like a special New York themed entrance. That would have maybe solved the problem a bit for me. Um but yeah, it was, you know, they did the really big match uh, and it felt like a, a giant show with a giant crowd. Uh, and then it just felt like a show in uh, in front of a really giant crowd with, uh, again, the crowd very loud. Just, you know, yes, like Mike said, a special entrance way that might have made it feel a little bit different. Um, or, you know, just some kind of some kind of flavor, some kind of pomp, some kind of circumstance, some kind of spectacle. Nate just wants some pomp. Aaron, can Nate have some pop, again? Please? Again, Aaron, you're trying you're trying to tell me something special because of a wrestling match. Come on, I I mean, in this scenario, I, yes, I am. I need spectacle, baby. I didn't know you were all about the parentheses pump. <laughs> all about the T H A parentheses pump. Yes. Yeah. All right, and Mike. Even, I even gotta wait till Friday for that. Come on. I know. I'm sorry, Mike. Your uh, delete pick from this week's show. Well, the one match on the show that was actually bad, like Cody versus Malachi Black, just was a really weird match. I would say, like, it when I say like it was mostly bad, it just was something that I I feel like that I'm often a Cody defender in the greater scheme of things. Like Cody very clearly had a certain role in relationship to the audience and to the promotion. And this felt like now, like I remember like some, some group DM, some chats saying like Cody kind of feels left behind after this. Ooh, I said that. Yeah. But, but like, and it's also like a weird thing because Cody, like this is the first time that like a crowd really outright, like rejected Cody here. And then they went and they had a match with arm bumps, uh, miss the miss was cool the the miss was funny but also it's something like malachi black feels actually feels like a superstar like coming in here and you're rerunning a playbook that you're running but this isn't last year this isn't behind closed doors now you have fan input here and it's not something where i'm like completely out on cody i think that that would be kind of jumping to a conclusion but i think it'll be something very interesting to see because this felt like this would be the conclusion and instead we had malachi black myth winning with mist and doing a roll up and it didn't really feel definitive there. It just was like a really bizarre, at least to me match, just everything around it, like the way the reaction and it was actually like, that might be one of the things that like resonates for me from the show is like, this match was weird to me. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, I will certainly remember it uh, for a while. I think the so I don't know that the match itself was bad. I I tweeted that the match was like pretty good for like a 2006 John Cena match where you have the valiant babyface doing his you know fucking OVW babyface stuff uh, and getting booed out of the building for it and everybody hates him. Uh, it was a lot like that. It was also a lot like that. Cody Okada match in Ring of Honor where it was champion versus champion uh, and the heat and the intensity was insane because everybody was terrified that Cody was going to win the IWGP title. Remember that? Uh, Reminded me of that match because the crowd the same way was like on the edge of their seats worried that Cody was going to, you know, beat Malachi Black here, Um, which didn't happen. So I'll give him credit for that. Uh, But yeah, I, I said that in a DM and it felt like in the time Cody's been gone, the promotion, you know, uh, uh, accelerated and grew three sizes or whatever and kind of just left him behind a little bit. When CM Punk first showed up at the first dance, uh, I, I asked on this show, hey, uh, is it a problem that CM Punk is suddenly away, is suddenly the biggest star on this promotion by far? And he like totally eclipses everybody else in the promotion in terms of his star power? Uh, and we decided that probably wasn't a problem and it, and that turned out to be true because they added, uh, Brian Danielson, Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, the dark horse for the biggest star out of all of them, apparently. Uh, and then, you know, Kenny Omega was right there up to speed with Brian Danielson. He doesn't feel like he's overshadowed at all. Uh, the young bucks they're they're right there with Adam Cole and that program don't feel like they've been overshadowed whatsoever. Just had that, you know, tremendous cage match on all out. That's going to keep them fresh into the top of people's you know tier lists or whatever uh but cody has been gone and comes back and it just kind of felt like he was coming back from this promotion two years ago and all of a sudden it's like this is the promotion that was going head to head with nxt instead of the promotion that's beating raw every night that's kind of just what it felt like to me um and you know he's always like he's always uh, spared no amount of spotlight for himself uh, I said the other week and of course that was no different so not only does he get the special entrance not only does he get separate entrances for each of his uh, you know seconds his his coach and his wife uh, he's got the cape that literally is the length of the entire rampway I don't know if you guys saw that the cape that he was wearing all the way up through fucking ramp um, and it just kind of felt uh, yeah, it, it's like what a heel would do. It felt like he should have been the heel there. The crowd received him like a heel. Oh, and the other person I, I, I failed to mention was they added Malachi Black. And Malachi Black all of a sudden seems like a much bigger star. Uh, and Malachi Black is getting the giant reactions. And Cody is not, I think, necessarily being booed because he's Cody. I don't think these people necessarily dislike Cody that much. They just don't want him to win this match because they think that Malachi Black is their guy, he's their star, and he needs to win the match. Uh, so, yeah, again, I'll give him credit for that. But, yeah, it did kind of uh, expose some some stuff that's not working with Cody. And he said in an interview, like, a week ago or a couple days ago, that he's not going to turn heel, so he's doubling down on that John Cena thing. Um, but I don't know how long this is going to work if, if this is the reaction he's getting right now, if, if he's going to be able to keep finding audiences that are going to stick with him and want him to be their their guy in these programs in the hobby 
it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Cody, to me, you know, looking back, was like this stand-in for the fans idea the aw fans idea that we needed aw because wwe had had failed us had had all these guys that they could have succeeded with and they failed them and therefore they failed the audience i mean you know a way that this promotion kicked off was cody uh you know destroying the triple h throne right we were all looked at that it's like that's right now these are our guys we can get behind and aw is not gonna fuck up with these guys they're gonna do these guys uh, right it's not going to be guys like triple h ruining it for everyone and everybody got behind him and they got behind everything he did because he stood for that so he could do everything he did in this exact match that he did against you know sean spears that we all watched and people went fucking nuts for it well since then you know aw brought in cm punk the actual guy who exposes wwe's failures you know cody is a guy who yeah maybe he could have been a bigger star in wwe but probably not right like he probably wasn't 
ever, the way that he is, going to be someone who could have been a big star in WWE. He was able to use that to become a big star in AEW. But a guy like Punk is a guy who, yes, he was a big star in uh, WWE. But the way that it all went down, of course, people view him as the actual symbol of McMahonism and its failures. And now he's here. So we don't have to root for Cody anymore because everything AEW fans were kind of putting aside the things that they like to root for Cody. Cody doesn't do the big spot filled matches where he's doing all these crazy moves that everybody likes. He doesn't do these uh, epic new Japan style things that you can get behind. He does his whole own thing. And AEW fans were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go with this and we're going to enjoy it. And they don't have to anymore. And so I don't know. I don't think it's over for Cody and AEW by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And I'm interested to see when we're back in, you know, fucking Milwaukee or whatever, like what the reaction is to Cody. But this is a bad sign for Cody. It's definitely. It's something that like uh, talking about his role as fan analog now being completely replaced by the original fan analog kind of reminds me of a conversation we had last year about when they had no crowds and it's like how is cody going to really work at that point with no crowds and instead like they found a way to kind of make it work here now it's an issue of what's going to happen now because like being in miami like i was not in- instantly into the storyline but malachi black felt like an absolute star and everything since then has come off on come off on this and it's just in this match, it kind of was like a confluence of all these things that maybe it's a blip and maybe it's something to keep an eye on. It's just one of those things that on a show that felt like, even though, like Nate said, not necessarily like pomp heavy, it was all here are great matches here. This was the match to me that stood out. Yeah, Aaron, uh, uh, great point. That's our that's our segment to clip for the Twitter account if you want to get that in the uh, get that in the bin early here. Uh, is your your uh, uh, description of Cody there as the fan analog that we took. And I said previously on this show that, you know, CM Punk was the first, was the vanguard of that in WWE. He's like, hey, I'm the guy who's going to point out this show fucking sucks. This promotion fucking sucks. It's always been bad. And you guys keep showing up uh, and it's going to continue to be bad, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was a brief moment in time where we're like, oh, wow they actually know all these problems with their promotion. Maybe CM Punk is actually going to make them fix those by becoming popular uh, and didn't happen. Uh, and then, you know, obviously he had his uh, uh, health issues there and he had his, you know, uh, booking issues and everything else issues there with the way that they treated him. So he left. And then the WWE fans, us, had uh, Daniel Bryan. He was our consolation prize for CM Punk. Uh, and they actually followed that one through to, to WrestleMania 30, uh, mostly because they were they had their hand absolutely forced because uh, everything else was being soundly rejected, much like Cody was tonight. Um, but he was the consolation prize for CM Punk. The only reason that he had that giant groundswell of support and became the whole yes movement, blah, 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 was because CM Punk was gone and the fans were latched on to the next guy that they liked. Uh, I mentioned that it was Money in the Bank 2011, whatever the, the punk show in Chicago was, where Brian Danielson won the Money in the Bank and you know st- sort of started that slow road to him actually getting to that level. Um, 
But then Brian Danielson was forced into retirement um, because of his health issues. And even prior to him being forced into retirement was, you know, basically booked into irrelevance. He won those titles at WrestleMania 30 and then went into a god-awful program with Kane. uh, And it immediately became evident, oh, no, nothing's changing at all. It's going to be the same god-awful show with a different guy on top. So he leaves. And then finally, Cody is the guy. I'll give Cody, you know, so much credit for this. He's the guy who sacked up and went, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving this company. I'm demanding my release. Uh, and I'm going to go to the grassroots. I'm going to go to the to the independent level. Uh, I'm going to do all these things that I want. I'm going to wrestle these guys that I want to. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, I don't know if this was explicitly stated, but, uh, you know, I'm going to improve the the wrestling business by going and working those other places and bringing, you know, whatever I can to your PWGs, Ring of Honors, Evolves, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'll give Cody all the credit in the world because a lot of guys, you know, didn't take that step. A lot of guys sit on Twitter and complain about WWE and their spot and their matches and their booking, blah, blah, blah. And then just, you know, resign with their contracts up and, you know, will forever mean nothing to me for that reason. Uh, but Cody quit, went out and was a genuine difference maker and brought a lot of his fans to Ring of Honor and went, hey, here's the Young Bucks. You guys would like these guys. And it's, and that was, of course, you know, started the impetus to all in in this promotion. So give Cody all that credit, but you're absolutely right. He was the consolation prize for Daniel Bryan, who was the consolation prize for CM Punk. And now we have CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. So certainly there's going to be fans that like his shit. There's going to be fans that are loyal to him for those reasons. But he's, you know, he's he's Diet Coke and and – and CM Punk is Pepsi and Daniel Bryan's Coke and Cody's Diet Coke. So he's got to find another reason to, to get people on board. I, I mean, I think a, a heel turn and going after Danielson and Punk for those exact reasons, I think that'd be a tremendous story. I would watch the shit out of that. If he, if he took a sledgehammer to Brian Danielson's head and was like, you know, I was fucking here. I was here on day one. Where were you? You were doing that bullshit. So, um, that's I, I, he, I, he's got to do some kind of course change, I think, after this match because this uh, this laid laid bare a lot of those uh, things that are not going to work for him going forward. I think in this promotion. Unfortunately, I think he's seen a build of like, oh no, I have to be the good guy forever so right. that I can be on TV. And, I think you're right in movies and whatnot. And- so it's kind of funny that like. Cena in WWE, like that whole thing is what kept him from being anything in WWE. And now you're right. Everything you said about how he kind of, uh, he did something different than everybody, but now it's like, he's trying to recreate that of like, no, I just want, it's not that you didn't use me the way I wanted you to. It's that I wanted to be John Cena. Yeah. And you picked John Cena <laughs> instead of me. So now I can be John Cena. And at the same point, it'll be very interesting to see how the next storyline is, because I feel like that's really going to be like, is this going to be a blip or is this actually going to be a big problem? Uh, Like like the interesting analog is that like Cody had such a value because he was such a good like PR media person and he was the person that Turner and Warner Media obviously gravitated towards. What happens now with like the new influx in this situation? It, it's very interesting because he got to like, in a lot of ways, play Cena and with like the way that like having all the shoulder content around him and Brandy. But what's going to happen with like people who 
did this before and had the shoulder content about them before now are available. So you have other options from that stance and that's just pure speculation, I guess. I think he does okay there because I think being the media guy and being the super nice suit guy and looking like a million bucks and knowing how to cultivate those relationships and, and, you know, shake those hands and do that stuff. Uh, that can be a role in and of itself. That's like that's that's the Miz's entire career, right? Is that he's, he has I was media training, yes, right? Because who who were you saying earlier today is is the Miz? I was saying I was saying that Adam Cole is like the oh, the yeah, Uber yeah. Miz is like the Miz if he uh you know all of his stats got turned up to ninety nine or whatever then he right. would be Adam Cole. I do a lot of Miz comparisons because <laughs> the Miz is like Cody is the fucking Miz. That's well, no, that's not even fair to him. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a little harsh but in terms of like i mean he's I, he's absolutely better at you know glad handing people and being uh uh you know personality in a room and all this stuff too and not seeming like such a phony as the miz either and i i can't imagine that he's not better at that than the miz actually is too but that can be its own role and also i think <laughs> uh you don't have to worry about it being brian danielson because brian danielson would go meet these turner executives and be like hey do you ever think about how apples are tree semen <laughs> uh so i think i think cody's probably you know <laughs> punk can go do his you know comic cons and all this uh you know i don't know but do they still have like walking dead reaction shows i remember he used to do those things um but but you know cody being right you know the guy in with the with the suits wearing the suit in the room with the suits. I think uh, uh, Cody is is still <laughs> still well tailored for. Uh, for those who are wondering, when we were going to have the first mention of apples as tree come uh, reference here, fifty seven minutes on the uh, Zencaster recording. Honestly, I, I think everyone would have been on the under on that. Yes, so, pretty uh, surprising. A lot of discretion shown by us today. I think so. I'm very impressed. With I mean, us. we got a uh, Bentley kind of dropped the ball, not putting in the manscaped ad read. That's true. I, yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself to be honest when it, it comes to that. It was a very good segue though. Big cat. You did a great job. Thanks. This came up in my, in my mentions and then a little bit in a, in a DM, but w- is this all the fault of the America promo that, that Cody cut? <laughs> did the America no. promo end his goodwill? I don't, I don't, no i don't think so i think the people that are cody cody fans probably like that promo i think that promo again i you guys thought that it was getting like booed i thought there was like one boo i I thought that Um, was very but i I don't think that was i thought there was a lot of confusion i think it was confusion Oh my god! Uh, (laughs) that That was not so far afield from his normal shit that it would i think turn turn his fans against him that's that's my position we went long on that one so i'm going to keep my uh delete brief and not that serious uh but i hated ftr's gear and the reason is this they're supposed to be these like oh we fucking we're all about the old school baby and they come out in this nwo gear which is like did you fucking not understand what the point of the nwo was (laughs) i thought it was cute the NWO versus the Four Horsemen was like a, a big thing, guys. So yeah, but uh, anyway, I thought it was, it was just cute. annoying to you me. Know, NWO was rivals with Sting, and they were up against Sting. So like, well, we're gonna we're gonna 
cosplay is our favorite sting rivals because they're cosplay wrestlers i mean exactly it's there's there's no there there that's uh that's my complaint not yeah that, i mean yes i get that point but i mean I'm, I'm gonna be honest i did think of my own analogy of ftr as the game of tag teams <laughs> where they just reference other, other yes. wrestling acts I, yes i did think of that while watching this match well, but Honestly, I one of the best cute. points made on this podcast in its in its history, <laughs> uh, frankly. The, the thing that happened to me, Aaron, with this gear was that uh, I saw, I was in the Discord, and I, and I saw someone make a comment of, that gear is awful. Their gear is awful. So I was expecting, like, a real bad set of gear. And then I saw them come out in this. I was like, all right, okay, this is what you're doing right now should have saw this coming and this is like two weeks after they were wearing bobby eaton gear so i was like the bobby eaton gear i was like no that's like really sweet and heartwarming this one i was like oh of course i thought it was cute uh listener delete our friend vote uj the a match we haven't talked about yet he says delete bad ending to your huge show even if ruby doesn't win a shit finish ain't it that's vote uj's take yeah, I don't think that's wrong. It it didn't like bother me and you know, it wasn't sour to me at the time, but yeah, I can see how people would be like, "Oh, you know, big huge 2-hour show and somebody cheats and that's that, and then the show's just over." Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't said that uh, Omega and Danielson, you know, should have been the main event of the show. I mean, you've called um, it the main event several times, but yes. So <laughs> that was going to be my delete, but then I realized, oh, they just did that because they're doing a draw. So they didn't want the show to end with a draw. They wanted the show, they wanted to, you know, cue to the fans or tip their hand by putting the match on first, um, and not kind of leave that sour taste in people's mouth. But you know, I guess I guess vote UJ is right that. If you're just going to do a fuck finish in the final match anyway, then maybe you should have uh, put the FTR tag on last. But I, I also can't really complain about them putting the women's title match on last because it is a title match, and I do think title matches should be main events. So, yeah. I guess that's... Uh, I guess it... <laughs> anyway, you, you cut it. I can find a complaint about it. Yeah, no. It, it makes sense. Like, I, I totally get it being deflating. I just think it's now something that's such a core concept of Brit's character that, like, Brit winning was going to be some sort of her goons gets her out of it. So. And uh, deflate footballs with over $500,000 in contest prize money up for grabs. The NFL is back in action. And so is winning season over at my bookie. If you head to mybookie.ag, you can choose from a variety of boosts and free bets. Get in on the fan favorite $100,000 super contest. It's only 10 bucks to enter. Basically, you pick five games against the spread each week. Every time you're right, you get a point, and that gets you closer to the grand prize. So you're not necessarily betting on each of these games, but you're you know betting that you can win, pick more of these games correctly than anybody else. And to get you started, you can make your first deposit at mybookie.ag and use the promo code ELITE to instantly receive double your deposit. You put in 100 bucks, they'll give you 100 bucks. 200, you know, you can do the math. You understand. It's not the quintile or whatever, but it, it's up there. Uh, 
That's with your first ever deposit. You just got to use the promo code ELITE. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right. Well, I mean, usually this is where we get into the rest of the show, but we've covered almost everything. So we'll just hit a few of the things that we haven't. Um, so it started off with Omega and Danielson. Then we had the punk promo. Uh, we had MJF and Brian Pillman Jr., which we haven't talked about. MJF won with the salt of the earth. Yeah, I was kind of struck during this. So I I kind of have liked Brian Pillman as a babyface. He does some unique things that other babyfaces aren't doing right now. Um but coming right off this this opening match, this you know, this was the first match that I had to follow it. And they like go into a chop battle and it's like, guys, we just saw these guys chopping each other's chests raw, and you could hear the chops you know, loud as day, loud as day, clear as day uh, on camera. And then these two guys go out and like are doing their chops and it's like, it's just not the same. Uh, and, you know, Brian Pillman, he doesn't run the ropes the same as those other guys. He like runs a step slower. All of his strikes are a step slower. Uh, I do. I was kind of struck by like Pillman would do his comebacks or whatever. He'd do his home spots or whatever and and start throwing these strikes and then MJF would would cut him off, and I'd go, "Oh, thank God!" Because then MJF's offense would look like much snappier and quicker. I'm like, "Oh, there, there it goes." Um, so that was that was my take on this. Was uh, Brian Pillman? I didn't really think was ready for this spot. For like this kind of storyline of and keeping MJF busy, this was keeping MJF busy. Like it, it was something that like it's. It, it's something that there's there's a lot of people in this promotion that I feel like are in real interesting spots and MJF right now. I mean, what do you really do with some if him if he's not making title challenges or interjecting themselves himself with the elite when you have two heel champions? It's just kind of difficult. Uh, the my one like big takeaway, like I thought everything was just like fine, like everything worked. It just kind of hit everything it should. Uh, when uh, uh, Julia Hart was uh, thrust into the kind of the outside of the match with MJF. And then yet again, whoever is this camera operator that works on the floor to take these shots needs to get like a massive rage. Cause it was an, another instance of great camera work. It was just like the uh, 2.0 with sting and then Darby flying in and you just see him just because of where, how the shot was framed. You only see him at the last moment. We got that with uh, Brian Pillman jr. Doing his like baseball slide kick. And that's like my one, like, Brian Pillman move that I'll take away from this was that shot looked amazing. And it was really cool seeing him come out of nowhere with that. But the rest of it was just kind of there, I would say. Yeah, I, th I think you all are right. Uh, I said on light this morning that Pillman had a chance to like garner some investment in him. If he came out and had, you know, he didn't have to have a great match, but had an exciting match. And I thought MJF was someone who could have helped him to an exciting match. And it just didn't come out that way. It uh, just didn't work out to be an exciting match. They were in a pretty tough position, but they didn't really do anything to to take advantage of, of the spot they were in. So uh, I don't know, not a good sign for like, you know, you could imagine a world where they have this really exciting match and you're like, oh, maybe they got something with Brian Pillman and you can imagine him getting you know, a TNT title challenge that he loses, you know, somewhere down the road. But uh, that didn't happen. So I don't see that coming anytime soon. And I was, I was doubly disappointed because they had Julia Hart there. Julia Hart came out with Brian Pillman 
Uh, and Justin Roberts announced her, but she didn't point at her own name, which is my favorite part of the whole act. Yeah, pretty big bummer. And I, I guess, uh, I guess Griff is unvaccinated, right? Is that why we didn't see Griff? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be shocking. <laughs> no, not at based all. on it, based on his Twitter follows. Um, yeah, or Havana. But, yeah, I mean, technically. <laughs> Technically, I guess he got like laid out, right? Is MJF and Wardlow beat him up right. the other week? Yeah. So maybe he's. But yeah, that that computes or could compute also. It could be someone's opinion if that makes sense. Yep. No. Uh, he he submitted clips for Sammy's vlog this week rather than being there last week. Uh, he, people could connect their own dots and interpret it as they will. Basically, if you if there's someone that you didn't see. Uh, last week or this week, just assume they they didn't get the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not a a professional no, uh, no. Uh, legal representation of the podcast. Uh, it is merely for entertainment purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could get in trouble for that, really. But maybe no. I mean, no joke. Um, <laughs> oh, but oh, sorry. <laughs> no, seems to me. Seems to me, just broadly speaking, like. If you've got a foothold in the hottest wrestling promotion on the planet, I you know I wouldn't give that up because you want to be a fucking dumbass. <laughs> There's this a lot not, of good reasons to be a dumbass, but it's not one of them. Yeah, you, uh, you know this is all, assuming you're a professional wrestler and that you want to make a living in professional wrestling. This is not speaking with specific reference to anyone, but like, uh, seems like because <laughs> you prefer to read you know, dumb shit news for assholes and not get vaccinated. <laughs> uh, like if that's more important to you than like maintaining your job and, a and their top wrestling promotion in the world, um, I would just reassess your priorities. Maybe, <laughs> you know, just an idea. Okay. Also, yeah. also clipping this for, for Twitter. <laughs> like, like these guys think they're fucking scientists like oh I'm, i have to be principled about my science it's like i know i'm a professional wrestler and that's my job and right now like i have my dream job and i'm like pushed in this company and like uh you know i can make a lot of money i could be a big star um but it's just like science is so important to me i really have to be principled about my science because i'm i have such a passion for science on the side um that i'm going to put that ahead of my my fucking day job uh which is you know, I am not by any means like uh, guaranteed this spot or like even necessarily uh, the best guy for this spot, but I have it right now. I just really want to be on louder with Crowder if I get a chance. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know bigger spot to me. My uh, my career role model is Tyrus. I really want to be uh, <laughs> a fucking you know mediocre wrestler who gets like a big push above my station. Uh, and then I want to uh, get fired from that, but go on to be uh, a serial sexual harasser on Fox News, allegedly. Where yeah, I good model. Where I opine on like all the issues of the day. I love when somebody posts a screenshot of Tyrus, and it's like uh, Havana syndrome, real or fake? I mean, obviously they don't talk about that on Fox News, but you know what I mean. And he's sitting there with the NWA TV title belt <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. That's really embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of embarrassing, <laughs> then we had Chris Jericho and Jake Tyrus. Hager backstage with Alex Marvez. Somebody uh, better call his. Was that his? Somebody better call my mama. Was that him? Yes. Was that he had the Good grandmas time, that came brother. out of WrestleMania? The grandmas? I don't remember that. Yeah, the dancing grandmas? I don't remember that. He definitely had the funk of Dak. <laughs> I swear to God. 
The Funkadactyls. Yes. I swear to God, he had dancing grandmas at WrestleMania. No, no he did. Yeah. It was the Miami WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, this was basically just a boring babyface promo, but it was funny to see Marvez try not to laugh. See, that's what this show was. That's what this show is lacking was the spectacle of dancing grandmas coming out. <laughs> that's why. That's why WWE remains the king. It's because Vince McMahon has that just you know clear, brilliant mind where he understands what the casual people out there want to see. They want storytelling, and that means uh, six months of Brodus Clay hype videos paying off with him coming out of WrestleMania with dancing grandmas. Six months of Emmalina hype videos <laughs> where she never debuts. I mean, coming out to say, uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Cody and Malachi Black. There was one build for next week, Nate, because they did this Miro and Sammy pre-tape where Miro says, yes, I did hurt my neck once, but God and my wife healed it. He said, a God demands pain. My wife demands pleasure and sometimes pain, too. And then Sammy told us that if he wins the TNT title, he's going to buy Fuego a new car. This match is going to be on Dynamite next week. <laughs> yeah, I was a little, um, I'm not, I really liked Sammy in this promotion. I think even on the mic, he's been pretty good. But his his promo setting up this match on Rampage was very much paint by numbers. I'm going to call you a bitch. And then I'm going to say, you don't have any balls, you bitch. And then uh you say something about god well i'm gonna say i'm the spanish god and i'm gonna say that twice uh and then this following that was very i uh, just i didn't 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 find anything in sammy's promo to get uh to get hyped about or, or get enthused about i think sammy getting fuego another car after he's willing to put his car on lines and matches he was fated to lose might be a bad investment idea i know he's your best friend but Fuego has already shown that he will put cars on the line there. <laughs> that would be a funny storyline if Fuego puts the new car <laughs> the same yeah. on the line. Keeps, keeps betting his cars. <laughs> I would, no, I think there's something I would there. Like that. Uh, I mean, I think Sammy, right, this makes sense. Sammy wins the title and then he has a program with MJF? That's what I do. Like, like that seems like for MJF, there's not much you can do with MJF other than like these storylines right now with like Brian Pillman Jr. Unless he's in a title hunt, and Miro has been a great champion. It's just like, what is like the goal here other than Miro destroying a whole lot of people? Someone has to eventually beat him, and Sammy seems like Sammy made a big point about wanting to have a title and not and not being left off pay per views anymore. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. It doesn't not make sense, but sometimes I'm having some negative reaction to it for some reason. There was definitely a period, you know, probably coming right off the the pay-per-view double or nothing. Was that the stadium stampede? Yes. There was definitely a period there where I was like, wow, they've really they heated Sammy up super well. You know, they've established him as a star with this Jericho tag and the stable and blah, blah, blah. We now had this killer match with MJF. Um you know, he's you know, a perfect guy to be set up for a TNT title next. But now that we're here, I just kind of feel like he's not there. I think because they've had him on the – they've disappeared him from TV for a little while. He can, he's come back with this little Fuego program now. Um, but it seems like we've missed the, missed the real heat up for him, missed the real build of this where it's going to feel like a big earned moment 
when it happens. I, I'm, that's like an ongoing complaint. You know, it's a, I, I'd say it's not dissimilar from when Darby won the TNT title from Cody and they just, just had him win the match out of the blue, right? Where it's like, well, you know, Cody beat him twice, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to do another match all of a sudden and then Darby just wins it. And I actually predicted the same thing was going to happen at the pay-per-view with the Lucha Brothers and the, and the Young Bucks where it's like, well, you know, the, the Lucha Brothers don't win enough matches in this promotion and they haven't really been featured on Dynamite as a tag team. And now they got this title match because they won this little tournament. Uh, I bet they're just going to go on and win the tag titles just because it's just going to happen out of the blue um, because they've they've done this two and a half week thing right before the pay-per-view. And that kind of feels like a, a power. They don't do like a sustained kind of thing for like a Sammy. It's just going to be, well, we've gotten him this level and now we're going to set up a match in a week and then we're going to build a match for one week and then he's just going to win it. So it, it definitely feels in play to me. But it doesn't. It's not as satisfying as it could be. Well, I agree. It doesn't feel hot enough to win the match, really. But it makes a lot of sense. You, I think, I think it helps for one of your champions, one of your singles champion, to be a babyface, so you can kind of mix up some of your challengers. It definitely brings MJF into play. So it makes a lot of sense from that perspective to me. But I agree with you that it's. I, I'd say you're right about the Lucha Bros thing, but usually. And I guess you're right about the Darby thing too. But generally, when they switch titles, you kind of it feels right. You know, it's like okay, this is a good spot for a title change. The Lucha Bros thing ended up satisfying to me just because the match was so great, and then I I just had more of like a emotional investment in the Lucha Bros than I even realized until that happened. And then I was like, oh wow, that was what a match, what a moment, what a you know journey for these guys. But that was like a you know, me and the Lucha Brothers for, I don't know, eight eight years or something story. That wasn't a, you know, two-year story in AEW. That was a, oh, I'm rooting for these performers. I'm not rooting for this, you know, this death triangle and their program with Andrade, uh, which is now turned into Lucha Brothers of the Young Bucks for some reason, and now they're just winning the belts. So you can't really give the AEW the credit for that. Uh, well, I, I guess the match, but... Yeah, that's um, you know, even this Daniel this Brian Danielson thing, it's like the build was not so hot that it, you know, the match, the work those guys did elsewhere is what made this match, right? It was not what they've done in this promotion that made this match. It was not the build of this match in this promotion that made this a dream match. And maybe that's true of all dream matches, but um, it just feels like a distinction to me. It's like those, you know, the the two in-ring segments with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega did not make this this crowd this hot for this match. No, no, not at all. But I thought they were still successful. I thought the in-ring segments were good. Yeah, I mean they they didn't they didn't take away from anything. Yeah, I mean you got to. I see. guess just in my in my idealized idea of a wrestling promotion, it's like. You're enhanced. You're always enhancing. You're always escalating. <laughs> you know, probably not possible a lot of the time. Well, it's hard to escalate like Omega versus Danielson, right? I mean, I think that's pe- people are already so fired up for that that it's hard to make it like bigger stakes than it already is. Yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. I guess that's you know. I guess uh, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. And now that's starting. Now this was the first step th- on that journey. I yeah. think so. I think it is. The first step. 
then we had the tag match that we've talked about. Uh, the women's world title, of course, closed the match with with Britt defeating Ruby with the lockjaw after Rebel and Jamie got involved. We talked about the finish, but we didn't talk much about the match. Does anybody else have anything else they want to say about this actual match? Um, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I it, it seemed like they were talking about toward the end of the match, like Ruby, oh, she's such a taxing battle and talking about her perseverance and stuff. I kind of wonder if she got her bell rung on that air raid crash off the turnbuckle yeah. and she was a little little thrown for a loop for the end of it. But still, I thought delivered and, and, and made everything land where it was supposed to for the end of that match. So um, crowd was, was super into it for the dueling chance. They do a funny thing for the women's matches where it's not like the sustained heat of like, you know, uh, the first match on the show. Uh, but they do these chants, and then it's just kind of quiet for a while, and then somebody starts a chant, and they do the dueling chants, and it's super loud again, uh, and then it just kind of goes quiet for a while. It's just a funny, funny, uh, funny different texture to how the crowd sounds. Yeah, I enjoyed this a good deal when I realized, like, oh, my idea of them hot shotting the title and then stringing this out a little bit is not the plan. I ended up really enjoying it. I thought that like Ruby is such a phenomenal wrestler and kind of like the best kind of person to do like this main event match Britt baker world title match with because like she just was like flying around for everything just like being willing to be to take a avalanche air raid crash and it just it was something that she came off incredibly well and you know it's something that for Britt, like having someone that goes to those lengths makes her come off like a bigger star as well yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought I was like, okay, Britt is really, you know, continuing to come along and improve. And Ruby is like, hey, she's good. So it's, you know, the, everything about this was positive and what you wanted for like your big women's title program. I did. I thought I saw a couple of things where it was like, oh, Ruby is guiding Britt through this. It, it's it's different moments. Um, I also I thought one of the best looking sling blades that Britt's ever done in this match. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I guess uh, this feud will continue, I suppose, because of the shenanigans at the end. I think so. So we'll keep going and see where that goes. And I'll have to wait to see how they're going to pull this off from uh, or, you know, uh, tear this off. What's the I don't know, whatever. Pivot away from this into whatever Ruby's going to do next. Um, We didn't talk about there was a report from I think I can now say friend of the show. (laughs) <laughs> Andrew Zarian of the Matman. Who... Oh, I hope we I hope we didn't mispronounce his name while calling him a friend of the show. I assumed Zarian. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know. Like, I believe I believe he's Armenian. So, do we have any Ar- Armenian <laughs> pronunciation experts in the chat? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can anyone tell us? I don't know. I, you know, uh, studied Japanese, so all the A's are Ahs. You know, so I just go sure. Ah. But yeah, it could be Zarian. Anyway, Andrew Z, our, our buddy, uh, let us know, Andrew. Drop us a DM of the right way to pronounce your name. Uh, said there's going to be new women, some sort of women's title soon, a secondary women's title. Yeah, uh, he, I believe, teased more belt information on the next episode of the Matt Men podcast, which I think is out tomorrow or if you're listening okay. to this let's on... not do let's not do plugs for other podcasts, on Buddy, our podcasts. we're trying to get the hook up here Come on. <laughs> what do you want uh the biggest chat in wrestling media um the so i you know the presumption is hey maybe a either a tbs title because they're moving to tbs and they've already got the tnt title 
Um, I have advocated for women's tag titles. Does seem a little bit significant that they've just now bothered to set up like the first women's tag feud in this promotion, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, right now. So maybe that's that's a hint. Um, but yeah, watch watch our Twitter account tomorrow, where probably we retweet their podcast account to see what scoop they have. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I'll withhold my takes until we see what the actual title is. So I don't. I don't want to waste rounds out of the take chopper you know i mean it feels expensive right now you know (laughs) we run a tight ship here uh oh he's not flying the take chopper he's just sitting it on on the ground and firing the machine gun (laughs) no this is not the take copter this is the take chopper i'm just i didn't know we diversified our take machines well i've borrowed this from a friend of the show ferrante (laughs) the late great (laughs) yes yeah um, r.i.p to a legend you think Ferrate is vaccinated? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, no, because uh, I don't know. He might be too Rogan pilled. <laughs> um, Hard to say. I guess like my interest in this is I think that genuinely they've done uh, with like the women's eliminator tournament. I feel like that they've put on very compelling tournaments with this. So I'm, I'm interested to see like what they're going to do to set up this title and until we know if it's a secondary single title, kind of how like the NWA world women's championship filled that role for a little bit. Uh, like if it's going to be like that or a tag team division, uh, I I'm going to reserve a uh, fuel and then take copter in this time. So yeah. All right, well, that was Dynamite tonight. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us... You want to hit the uh, the Owen Hart thing? Yeah. Well, let me do the Patreon plug first, and then we will. Fine. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Uh, that's where you find us. We've got a bunch of tiers. Uh, we cover everything that AEW does. We have, of course, the show where we do uh, Dynamite, and you can listen to it live on our $8 tier. We cover... We preview Dynamite on Light, which we do every Wednesday morning. Mike and I preview Dynamite. Nate breaks down BTE. Uh, you can get just that show on our $3 tier. And then we, of course, cover Rampage on our EE World Tour show, which is available on our $5 tier, uh, along with all the other audio we do. This month, we've done an all-out retrospective from last year's all-out, an all-out preview, the all-out instant reaction. Uh, we also have... Coming up soon, I don't want to promise it for this month, but it's going to be either this month or early next mm-hmm. month. This is Brian Danielson. Uh, Mike and I are working on that. And so that'll be coming up soon. Uh, we have a Discord that you can join and chat with us and get in on Elite or Delete, among other things. And Mike, I think, I don't want to overpromise you, but I think you're going to be doing Rose to the Top content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it'd be back-to-back. It it or at least to, uh, next week. But yes, I will. there'll be something with Roads to the Top. If I'm going to be watching this, I will be creating content for it. So, yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, patreon.com slash everything elite. Check it out. Subscribe. And uh, we'll make lots of content. Promise. Owen Hart, yes, is uh, there's a new agreement between uh, Martha Hart, the Owen Hart Foundation. I'm sorry, Dr. Martha Hart, the Owen Hart Foundation and AEW. Uh, licensing Owen Hart's uh, is it is it name, image, and likeness? I'm yeah, in college athletics. Uh, uh, I'm college athletics build. Uh, so that you know, Owen is going to be in video games. I think he's licensed for merchandise. Um, everything basically, all the stuff they can do. 
So Owen Hart will now be uh, featured in AEW content. Yeah. Also, there's going to be a Owen tournament that was. That's right. Yeah, I missed well. the most important part. So yeah, no, this was really big. You know, I thought that this was an awesome thing to see. I thought that you know it really is a statement that that very quickly of like the Owen Hart Foundation and Dark. Dr. Martha Hart over the, like the last few years, like, oh yeah, no, we're cool with these people, but WWE can continue to, you know, fuck itself for what all happened with Owen Hart. Yeah. Uh, you know, really nice to be able to do a show about a wrestling promotion and, and they can do a nice thing like this and you can have faith in them that they'll do it correctly. Uh, and you know, feel good about watching it and, uh, you know, feel good about, Remembering what a great wrestler that guy was, and uh, you know, remembering all the struggles that her that his widow went through, um, and uh, nice for her to get, you know, some uh, some relief here at the end uh, for her for her late husband and his wrestling career, and be able to share that with her family, and uh, you know, have 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 happy associations with wrestling instead of negative ones. But, uh, you know, like we said, true of a lot of people in this promotion, uh, you know, bringing, bringing happy associations back to pro wrestling for people. So that's a very nice thing. Yeah, and then also the Owen Hart Foundation seems to, at least from watching uh, Dark Side of the Ring, seems to do a lot of great work in like Calgary and Western Canada. So, you know, like the fact that this is going to also be, I guess, helping out the foundation and people in that area. You know, it just seems like a, just a incredibly positive thing across the board, in my opinion. Yeah, my understanding of the deal is that the money that will come from AW will all go to the Owen Hart Foundation. Uh, so that that's my understanding, at least. Certainly could be wrong about that. But yeah, that's cool. And it got me... I saw some uh, some gifs going around of Owen Hart matches, and it just got me thinking, like, oh, I need to go back and watch some, like, Owen Hart New Japan. Sounds very exciting. Okay, Rampage on Friday, a two-hour Rampage. It's happening as we record. I guess it's about to wrap up. We've got Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Christian and Jurassic Express, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, CM Punk versus Will Hobbs, Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford, uh, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So a stacked rampage that uh, Mike and Nate will be covering on EE World Tour this weekend. I mean, you know, apart from the dream card or the dream dream match, uh, the rampage card kind of seems better than this one. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, like with. That like they didn't even cover on Road to Grand Slam like the Mox and Eddie stuff like the promo that Eddie cut like that's like such a compelling thing that like yeah Nate what you're saying about like not having one of like the New York City people on tonight's show this one has a lot of that and it's really I'm really looking forward to see the response that Queens has for Eddie Kingston that they have for Santana and Ortiz and I'm really stoked to see that. All right. The uh, is does the lights out match seem a little quaint now that we've had a Nick Gage death match in this promotion? Yes, <laughs> is that it seems a little weird now, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's call our shot here. Over under one point five million point five in the demo. Ooh. Oh, well, you got dang. Uh, can I break them into two? Oh. 
or do I have to take it as 1.5.5? No, you could break them into two. That's fine. All right. I think over 1.5 million, under 0.5. I feel like 4.9 is where I kind of expect. But I also wasn't on Twitter during the show. So Nate probably has a better sense of just like the trends and everything going on with that. My, uh, I doubt that my Twitter is very representative of um, most of the viewing audience of America. Um, but it was trending pretty much all day. It was trending like at 9 a.m. this morning. I, to keep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the opposite of what Mike said to keep it interesting. I'm going to say under 1.5 total, but a remarkable demo number above 0.5 in the demo. I think they usually... I think they overperform in in the demo sometimes when the mm-hmm. the total viewers aren't as high. But I I'm going over on both. I think they're going to go over 1.5 million. I mean, frankly, I think it's going to be around 1.5 million, but I'll go over and I think they're going to go over 0.5. So, let's fucking go is what I'm saying. LFG. LFG. All right, that's the show for this week. Uh make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code This Is for 20% off and free shipping. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Elite to double your deposit. Uh, and go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.